Hello and welcome to the Marky Worthington Comedy Podcast. Uh, this is episode 7. We're recording this at the basement um, before the um, basement open mic. It's on the third Tuesday of every month. Come on down and check that one out for um, the room that I run and also the venue that we record the podcast at. So stick around for the rest of the episode. Cheers for listening. Remember to like, subscribe and share for more content. As I mentioned, I'm the host, Marky Worthington, and we've got a guest on the show today, Ross Yeoman. How you doing, man? Good, mate. It's an absolute honour. I'm pretty stoked that you um, actually agreed to have me on, because I'm the absolute greenhorn that knows fucking nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's why it's good to have you on, man. We like to cover off everybody in the scene, and we've had a couple of the, the uh, more established comedians. We had Bill Make, and uh, we had another uh, guy that's been in there for about as long as me with Dylan Holmes, but... You've only been in the scene for a short amount of time. How long have you been doing comedy for? Um, in Canberra? Yeah. Oh, so it's been it's been four months. I, I had a period. Um, I do contracting work, so I was unemployed for a couple of weeks, and I've always wanted to do it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sit around just drinking beers all day. Yeah, I yeah. need to, you know, this do is my something. chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so yeah, through three or four months, uh, so I'll fluctuate between completely self-deprecating to pretending like I actually know what I'm talking about um but um my my first ever open mic yeah um was back when um uh the phoenix was still still yep. still yeah kicking. I remember yeah um and uh it was it was a gong show so you got I think you got 60 seconds of leeway and then if four people held up a gong sign you were out yeah right sort of thing how'd you um, go well i i went and uh I, I saw the first half um and i've heard comics say like going to open mics is sometimes an inspiration to go up because but i, I think anyone uh, you know i've heard other people on the show say this is sorry to sound repetitive but anyone doing stand-up comedy has been wanting to do it for a while you know, before they go up, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anyone scripts their first bit on the bus on the way to their open mic. You know, <laughs> um, and and so I had a couple of things in my head, and but I had no idea of how I wanted to thread them together or anything, and I didn't know it was a gong show. Um, but I said, like, there were some outright duds in the first half, and then I went and spoke to the MC, and I was like, oh, "Can I go up?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, for sure." But then I went and had a couple of tequilas to take the edge off and I got up there and, you know, it's a noisy pub. Like, most of the people weren't there to see the comedy. Um, Audio wasn't great and I launched into just rough topics like religion and you've you've seen my stuff. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I didn't get gonged, but in the end, I dragged myself. I was, yeah. like, I was, I was like, "Nah, uh, I think I'm out." Uh, you know, I reckon I'm probably wearing this out, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll step down now. Uh, <laughs> um, and then it was probably two years after that that I actually sort of did my next open mic, and then since then, I've done like every one I can find on the calendar. Yeah, you know, in, in in Canberra. Yeah, no, it's good, man. It definitely shows how keen you are. I know that every mic I've been to, ha- ha- you've been at, and if you weren't at, you told me that you weren't going to be there. Like you're literally at every one um, that you can go to, which is good. It's good when you're like first starting to jump into it with both feet. Uh, like yeah. you mentioned before, it was two years between your first one and then when you jumped <laughs> yeah. into it. 
And I've done that. I've met people like that before. They sort of come along, they do the first few, and then uh, they come back later. Uh, there's a couple in the scene like that. Um, believe it or not, Nick Shuler oh, yeah. took like a 12-month gap. He's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so he he's first... When he first started doing comedy, um, you can see him in the comment section now correcting me if I'm <laughs> wrong, but um, the um, first big thing he did was the Raw um, comedy yeah. uh, series, and man, he said that like that was too much for like a, a greenhorn, just yeah. like off the bat to be in such a pr- fairly high pressure situation. Yeah. So he took 12 months off after that, and now he's come back and he's picking it up real quick. Yeah, it it it's it's one of those things. Like I, I think, what well, like one of the things. Like so, just being so new to the new to the scene. Like it's um, I think every every like it's this weird it's this weird to me a e- uh, balance between ego and humility. Like I think you have to have a certain level of of either ego or insecurity or both mm. uh, and a little bit of confidence to actually get up and do it. Yeah. Um, but then you've got to have the humility to realise where you're at, what you don't know and, you know, you had this idea in your head about how it was going to go and these, you know, jokes that you'd been, you know, tinkling away in the back of your mind for two years or whatever. Um, and then when you get up and, you know, one of them just outright bombs and you eat shit. Um, yeah. You realise, oh, okay, um, you know, I've got to actually, you know, put a lot more work into this and 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 that kind of thing. And I think, like, I think because I wasn't working at the time, it gave me something to focus really heavily on. Um, <clears throat> and if I didn't have that period, you know, I, I might not have done it. And and I think back to like when I did that that open mic, the the Gong Show thing, I wasn't ready. Like I didn't, I, d- I really hadn't written it out properly, um, you know, and I don't think I was in the right headspace either. Um, and so sort of like like coming into it now and going, no, I'm going to dive in and do this, like with, you know, grab everyone I can kind of thing. <coughs> the the closest analogy I, I, I can think of in terms of my life is um, uh, I started skateboarding when I was like, maybe 12 and and ditch like sport you used to play soccer basketball that kind of thing um and when you start skateboarding like you know and i ran a skate camp with some like kids teaching them and stuff through a skate store and everything yeah yeah uh, i used to say to them that like skating was more like learning a musical instrument Mm -hmm. than um playing a sport like when, when you if you start playing basketball you know how to run and throw and catch you yeah, know. yeah. But when you get on a skateboard, like you're moving horizontally, you you're balancing with your knees and and your ankles. Like it, it's a completely different ball game, and, yep. you, and you're just not prepared for it. And um, <clears throat> and then when I started doing um, stand up, it was about two months in. Um, I realised like some of the similarities because I remember when I first started skating, um, you get a couple of tricks down. You know, like, I, yeah, I can ollie up and down gutters, I can ollie down some stairs or whatever it might be. Mm. And, uh, and you know, you watch the pros. You know, you watch you watch the video parts of the, you know, the best skaters at the time or yep, whatever yep. else to jazz CKY and shit. Yeah, yeah. Watching all yeah, the, you jazz the bonus scenes up. on the Jackass DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never really went with, uh, with Jackass because to me, Bam Majera was like, he was... 
like like in skateboarding, you don't make it if you're not good. Mm. And to me, Bam Majera was like the Britney Spears of skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he didn't have the talent that proper pro skaters had. Um, and he was making money out of it, and that pissed me off because it was like, this is different to the music scene. There's no Justin Bieber <laughs> in the skating world, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, so I got to that point where I was like, you know, fairly confident with doing basic tricks, and then I remember thinking, well, there's this rail at the Civic Skate Park, so now all I've got to do is ollie and turn the board 90 degree angle, and I can get on the rail, and now I can start skating rails. Mm. And you go and try it, and you're like. No, you fucking can't. Like, yeah. you know, there is so you have so much to learn and so much to get to that point. You know what I mean? And that that crystallized for me so much when I saw uh, Kai Fei's uh, hour show for the yep. second time, yep. um, and he crushed it both times. I you know, saw him out at Boardwalk and then and then at the Civic Pub, and I was actually talking to him about it afterwards. And um, by that stage, I think I had like 15 three-minute bits. Yeah. And I was thinking, I could do 45. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was like that skating thing where it was like, oh, I've just got to turn the board and then I can, <laughs> I can do it. And it's like – and then I saw his show and I saw how well-polished it was and and how much more goes into it and everything else. And it was just like a slap in the face of that humility against the ego mm. of just going, fuck, I have so much to learn. Like – yeah, I mean, did you have that when you first started out? Did you think, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush it, and then s- sort of have to come back down to earth and go, all right, I gotta work this out. Man, the first few times I did okay. Like the first time, yeah. I didn't go great, but for my first time, I was happy with it. Yeah. Mm. Second time, um, you know, um, I spoke about it with the Kaifei episode of my first yeah. walkout. Um, but that was just because there was the gro- the joke was too gross for the for the yeah, audience yeah. member um, and their partner. So I um, yeah I didn't have a problem with that. I kind of went pretty good for the first like fair few times. Yeah. But dude, the first time I remember bombing, <laughs> and I didn't bomb the whole set. What happened was it started off okay, and then it started to die off a little bit. And it was at Phoenix. Yeah. Um, same problem, you know, just wasn't wasn't my night. And, um, man, it hits you hard and you kind of, a lot of people you'll see in the scene, they'll bomb and they'll leave straight after, but man, I will stick around and just stew in it. Like I'll, I'll sit there and watch, (laughs) I'll watch all the other comedians perform and do well and just go home, just swearing at my windscreen (laughs) the whole way, listening back. Cause the thing is my, my phone auto connects through the Bluetooth in my Uh, car. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when I record my set, especially if I bombed, I just close my phone and just walk off the stage. Yeah. So, like, what will happen is, like, I'll hop in my car, the Bluetooth will auto-connect and just automatically start playing my set back to me. So, while I'm driving home thinking of it and the Bluetooth's still connecting, I'll get out of the car park and then all of a sudden you'll just hear the recording kick in. So, I'll be just instantly (laughs) have to listen to my set back again. And because, man, I get this thing once I'm driving... Like if my phone's not in the cradle, I don't I don't get my phone out of my pocket until yeah, I get yeah, home. Yeah. I don't care well, what happens. I, I, first, I don't yeah. want yeah I don't want to get in trouble yeah. So I have to just drive along and listen to because like I'm <laughs> I've got too much of an ego to just turn it off. Like I I'm like well I've started it now, so I um I'll just be driving along, thinking about my set, listening to my set, and and I swear like um part of being 
like a narcissist is just that you th- <laughs> you think that people actually <laughs> care. Th- yeah. Like you think that people realize you're listening to your own voice at the lights while you pull up next to them and talking oh, to yourself. Y- yeah, yeah. Okay, but really yeah. they probably don't know what you're doing. They don't care yeah. what you're doing. But in my mind, I reckon that there's a lot of crazy pe- people that think I'm absolutely crazy because I'm driving along and listening to my set as I drive home <laughs> talking about my set to myself. Um, but yeah, so that, that was the first, that's what happens, man. Like the first time I bombed, I bombed a couple times since, but I've recently, I think, so you're saying you, you get to that point where you know a couple of tricks, you're happy with it, like you yeah. start to put it together and you get it. Um, recently at Boardwalk, I don't know if you're there for the last one. You, yeah, you were there. Yeah. Um, at the last one. You recovered. I recovered. Unreal. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just addressed the fact that it wasn't going well yeah. and um, made the audience realise that I'm just one of them. Like, I'm just a, a person as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And it kind of gave me some more uh, leeway because all of a sudden I wasn't like this person that was there to entertain them. I was just one of them, which I was telling them a story instead of just yeah you know it kind of i didn't feel disengaged from them after that and that's what broke the ice yeah i, I remember that and like you crushed it with the ferrari analogy yeah i, yeah. I love that bit um <laughs> and it, I, I, to me like it, it comes back to that that confidence ego humility balance like you need you need to be confident on stage it's like people can smell weakness like yeah, and this yeah. is the canberra scene like it's not like we're in boston where it's like you go up there you start it you're done yeah you know what i mean um, get off the stage kid yeah <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but but i think there's also um yeah and it is more just based off like the comedians that i've sort of like grown up sort of idolizing and listening to over and over and over and like just watching their timing and stuff like that like you know someone like ricky gervais will will punch down to the crowd yeah but he's doing it as a bit yeah and eventually he still makes himself the butt of the joke sort of thing you know like no one wants like you you need to have a certain level of confidence i think and then you know but no one wants to see someone get up there and be like hey i'm the fucking balls like you know (laughs) get a load of how good i am like i don't think that works and and like you you know even you know in canberra like i've seen other other comics where they play up the introverted angle and it's funny yeah yeah. like do you know what i mean it's it is relatable and and you know there's it there's sort of a beguiling aspect to it where it's like you know Obviously, I've had to have the confidence to come up here and do this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to act very. This me. is where the confidence ends. Yeah, like where, yeah. Like me getting on the stage was, like I'm running on empty now. I used my last <laughs> bit of confidence. <laughs> Dylan Holmes is good at that. At the yeah, um, yeah. Bringing, uh, bringing that to the stage, like when he's just, um, and Scott Hawkins has some stuff like that. Mm. You know, like it. It's just what they bring to the stage is that personality there's others that have like the um like a different type of stage presence back to nick shaw that was saying i think this came up in a previous episode um that i was talking about um how different comedians address hecklers or people talking loud in the audience yeah Uh, because that's different to me i i define it differently as like a heckler versus someone who's just been disruptive 
Someone is rude, not engaged. Yeah, so yeah. it's like actually, I find a different approach. Like a heckler can sometimes usually be directly talking to you, whereas yeah. a, a like someone that's just being disruptive might just be talking to the person next to them really loud and not listening to your set. Yeah, well, I see that. Yeah, it's interesting because I like you know I. I think when you, I don't know, when you start doing stand-up, it's not like you start telling everyone, right? Because you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, yeah. I, I don't want my mates coming along, yeah, you, know, yeah. and, you know, seeing me eat shit and that kind of thing. But I've been <laughs> fucking begging for a heckler and I haven't had one. And I I remember for, for Kai's thing, there was this one lady in the crowd that was just constantly making it about herself. And it was like... This is his. This is his hour. Mm, like you mm. know, he's got family in the crowd. Like he's put so much work yeah, into yeah. this, and and I was just, I was fuming. Like I was across the table from her. And I was, I, just, I wanted to say to her, like, can you just shut the fuck up? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. let him do his thing. And she wasn't heckling him. She was just being that rude, obnoxious person. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, what one of my go-to's with that is like, um, just as a premise would be like say this person can't actually like stand that someone else is having the attention so they need to have it to themselves and that's just where like it's weird isn't it it's weird how people have these like disorders where they just need the attention Uh, well let's be honest that's why we're doing comedy (laughs) i was just about Um, to say that yeah but when someone else is in the audience and they and they they don't want to do comedy but they don't want you to have the attention it's like sort of it's a weird it's a weird trait for personality yeah and and particularly like when you you know when you're going to see like if you if you paid good money to go see a comedian that maybe ten dollars yeah, is good money. Like yeah, I mean, you know, like <laughs> in I, comedy that's like if I was selling a show for ten a ticket, I'd say that that's my like. That would be my like comedy hour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and and you have an onus, like 15, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> but but and and you have an onus there, and and so I've kind of just doing the open mics. I, I've had this luxury where it's been, I don't know these people anything. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's an open mic, and like you know, like you, I remember the story that you told about uh, the walkout and stuff like that. Um, you know, that amazes me that people would walk out on that material, mm. um, considering some of the shit that I've said, yeah. uh, you know, and it, it, it sort of confuses me as far as I'm concerned. Like if you've walked into an open mic for, for free and you have no idea whether it's going to be veterans like Kai or, you know, someone like me that's greenhorn, you know, just giving it a crack or whatever it is. As far as I'm concerned, like you, like a don't heckle because my response is, you're either too much of a pussy to get up here yourself, yep, or you're going to get up here yourself, and so you know how hard this is, and you're still heckling. So like either way, I have no time for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. See the the bit that I don't get about um, people don't really talk about this type of heckler much, but it's more common than what you'd think the type of heckler that i've seen a fair bit of is the one that didn't like a bit of your material yeah especially an open mic because it's pretty fast turnaround between comedians the weird the weirdest type of heckle i've seen for that is 
the oh, I didn't like y- your last joke, so I'm gonna just ignore you and talk really loud for the rest of your set until the next comedian gets up, yeah. instead of just or, or pick something later on in your set to like yell out about. And a lot of the yeah. time, you'll find out that it wasn't the joke that they yelled out about. It was one a few jokes before, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it took them too long to think about it. So now they had to like find something wrong with the current joke because you've already moved on. Yeah, and 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 like you, you know, you hear the you know you hear the big comedians talk about this, where it's like, you know, you can do jokes about you know the whole spectrum, and then as soon as it comes to the thing that they care about, yeah. You've crossed the line, yeah. And now it's not a joke; it's a statement. It's like, well, fuck off! Like, it, it's just not. It's not how it works. Like, everything you're saying, like, comes from a, a kernel of truth. But you know, it, it, you're not trying to be misogynistic or yep. sexist, or homophobic, or whatever it might be. Like, you know, I mean, it probably comes through pretty clearly in in, in my stuff that I'm I'm, I'm not exactly pro-Catholic. Um, you know, but it's not a. It's I'm not up here to make a political point. Like I'm just trying to make a, a group of random people that walked in for free laugh. Yep. You know, and and that's all it is. Um, and so yeah, I mean, like a, I I haven't had a heckler, but I've been really itching to have one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to see how I'd respond and, and how it would go. I think the 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 closest it's come was. Um, I won't say the venue, but um, it was the place that we we lost and then ended up going to the White Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you were there that night, and I was like 12th up, and like guys were doing material that was gold. Yeah, you know, yep. like I was like, shit, I'm, I have to follow these guys. You have those nights, eh? Like yeah. where you're just like, everyone's done well. Yeah, everyone was killing it, you know, and no one in the crowd was laughing. Like yep. no one got a joke, like, like no one got a laugh. And, and, and I was like, what is going on? And I, I think I might have spoken to you or I spoke to a couple of people behind the curtain and I was like, what's going on with this crowd? Like, yeah. you know, I, I don't understand. Like, you you know, and fine, you, if you go to an open mic, someone's not funny, don't laugh. Yeah, you know, You're not obliged to cater to this random dude's f- ego. Yeah, you, you got... Yeah. You got the rest of their set not to laugh exactly. and then you got someone else. Yeah. Shit. But it was like, I remember when I went out, I'd asked particularly about this table of of, of, uh, of girls that were sitting at the very front and, and by the time I went out there, like people up the back of the room, like they had their arms crossed and everything else. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, it's that whole thing about like if, 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 if you've done something a couple of times and it's bombing, it's shit and you need to ditch it or refine it or whatever it might be. Yep. But you can have bad crowds. Yeah. Where they're just disengaged or they're rambunctious and not paying attention, whatever it is, you know, that kind of thing. And you and you, you just deal with it and accommodate with it. But because I was like second last on, I was like, Well, I'm just gonna go after them. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I've got nothing to lose here. No one's laughing at anything and I've just heard eleven comics go up and do great stuff. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and it was just a dud room. I tell you what, because I remember the night you're talking about. I think some of what had to do with that was actually the fact that um, some some people in the front weren't necessarily. I don't think they were there for comedy or their friend. They were there with their friend or whatever. Yeah. And what can actually happen is if the rest of the crowd see someone else not having fun, they start not enjoying it because what happens is it's like yeah. a. It's like a subliminal thing where, like, 
laughter's infectious, but so's not laughing. Yeah. And yeah. if somebody looks like they're not having fun, some of the like some of the weaker crowd members that can't think for himself <laughs> go, That person's not laughing, so I'm not gonna laugh or I'll spend my time fixated to see what makes that person laugh. And yeah, nothing's doing it, yeah. You see it all the time with couples, man, like people coming in. Oh, fuck yeah. The, couples. The boyfriend that doesn't want to laugh because his girlfriend's not having a good time. And yeah, or like, you know, um, it could be something like to avoid an argument. I'm not going to laugh at that joke because I don't want to be asked what <laughs> I th- why I thought it was funny. Yeah, or you're on a Tinder date and you're like on eggshells to begin with and like someone's <laughs> yeah. coming out with some super un shit. Man, I reckon that's a good icebreaker. Take your Tinder date to an open mic yeah. and see what they laugh at. Like yeah. what they find funny Well I mean This this, this is something I, I, I've always had this chat With my mates Like it's so common To hear guys say Like oh I like a girl With a sense of humour Yeah and There's two ways You can take that And often I think that You know when guys say oh, I like a girl With a sense of humour What they're really saying is I like a girl That laughs at my jokes Yeah, yeah. I, I want a girl That makes me laugh do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I want a funny girl. So <laughs> I, I think you're totally right. Like, first date, come to an open mic. I'm not going to go up because, you know, you know, it's the first date or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, take it to an open mic. <laughs> and, and if she's, like, that staunch and bitchy or whatever, yeah, uh, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, I think we've found where, <laughs> where we're at. Yeah. You, yeah, you know? well, you, you, like, don't, you don't want to be um, – you don't want to get up if it's your the first date because oh, no. you don't want to just be like <laughs> – you know, oh, so anyway, I was on this Tinder date, like, while you're on stage. Like, you <laughs> yeah. And, you, well, yeah, I mean, on a first date, it's not like you can get up and go, so my ex-girlfriend. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, you, yeah it's, so I'm banging this broad. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was having this threesome, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and my mate Brad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's also the result of a threesome. Shout out Bradley Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. Um no, well, that um, that's a good little intro to you and the scene, man. We'll um, we'll wrap it up with that one and um, have you back for another ha- the second part of the episode. Yeah, we'll um, just in the a next drink one. And then yep, and then kick and on, kick it on. So uh, yeah, there's an there's an intro to our first uh, greenhorn to the scene, um, <laughs> and thanks for uh, thanks for listening so far, and make sure you tune in um, to the next episode for the second part of the Ross Yeoman episode. Cheers, and uh, make sure you like, subscribe, and share for more content. Thank Five you. Stars.